Oh, yeah. This never gets old. I've done this, what, two times, and I'm shaking every time. Um, well, good to be visiting this church tonight as a guest. But um, we're going to be um, in the book of Luke. And uh, this is something I taught a couple weeks ago, actually, at our Young Adult Fellowship. Um, it was... Uh, we're going to the book of Luke on, on our when we meet on Friday night. Okay, I'm a little taller than my dad. Okay? Okay. So, um, Luke chapter 9, and uh, we're going to be picking it up in um, verse 46. And we're going to go from 46 to the end of the chapter. Um, yeah. Oh, it's nice to hear pages turning. I don't have PowerPoint slides or anything, so we're going to do it old school. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's open with a word of prayer, and because um, I need it, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight, God. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to come together as the body of Christ to study your word. Lord, we're um, just so privileged, Lord, to know you as our Savior, to know you as our, our Father, someone who guides us every day, every step, every second, Lord. You're with us. You're walking with us. Lord, it is um, just an honor to be called your children. And Lord, we are just excited to study your word, God. Your word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, as we learned on Sunday, God. Um, God, it, it has the ability to pierce the heart, Lord. And so we ask, God, that you would pierce our hearts now, that we would soften our hearts before you, even before we even start reading the scriptures and um, going into it, Father, we, we open up our hearts and we say, Lord, speak to us. Lord, find those crevices in my life, those areas in my life where there's darkness and light needs to be shined into those areas, God. And so, God, we ask that you would do that tonight um, through the teaching of your word. And, and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of tonight's um, study is To Be a Follower of Christ. To Be a Follower of Christ. Um, let's pick it up here. Let's, re- let's read a few verses. Let's read 46 to 48. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me, whoever receives, excuse me, me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. We'll stop there. So that brings me to my first point of the evening, which is to be a follower of Christ, we must be humble. Humility, right? That's what Jesus is drawing out, even of his disciples here, knowing, perceiving their thoughts, and uses what? A child as an example. Well, why does the Lord, why does Jesus use a child? Well, for me, I see a child, and I'm sure many of you see, a child is someone who is innocent, weak, vulnerable, non-threatening, joyful, dependent, pure, not experienced, and a lot of times not very cautious, right? But oftentimes in our own walk, and anyone who's a leader or 
as I, I would even speak to the men and being a leader, we feel that we have to be the opposite of all those things. And I feel really all of us as Christians, we feel we have to be the opposite of what a child is a lot of times. A leader needs to be strong, serious, independent, very experienced, very cautious. That's what the world says the leader needs to be. And Jesus is kind of drawing out this idea of a child. And to have this child, we talk about having childlike faith. Well, what is childlike faith? That, that innocence, that purity that comes when you, when you look at a little child, right? It's just like they don't have a care in the world. They're happy. They're joyful. And there's just nothing they're worried about. But adults, we, we worry about so many things, don't we? And um, we think that we have to be great. And Jesus is teaching all of us, and me in particular, that Tyler, in order to be a disciple of mine, in order for you to follow after me, you have to take the road that is least. And you have to be um, weak. You have to be vulnerable. Why? Well, because in our, in our weakness, the Lord shows himself to be strong. But in our strength, where is there, where is there room for the Lord to show his strength in our lives? If we have it all together and we, well, we act like we have it all together, then where's the space for the Lord to come in and do his work? Where's the space for the Lord to come in and do what he wants to do and show himself worthy and show himself magnified in our lives? So the Lord is drawing us out, and, and I. I think to be a follower of Christ, we must learn to be humble. We must learn to be dependent upon the Lord, you guys. Child, this child is dependent upon who? Parent, guardian, whoever's watching over them, right? A child can't do it on their own. They can't be independent. Oh, when we come older, we're independent. We can conquer the world. We can do everything on our own. It's all about how much we can muster up, how much strength we can put into our work, into our families, into everything that we do. And... We do the exact opposite, but I feel I want to I want to be the kind of follower that is dependent upon the Lord, His leading, not my ideas, not my strengths, not depending on the gifts He's given me, but rather, Lord, what would You have me do? And being vulnerable before the Lord, vulnerability, not something that's easy for any of us, right? Nobody wants to be vulnerable before before each other, and let alone really anyone, I guess, for that matter, right? It's all going to keep it in. But I think a child's very very vulnerable. That's, that's, that's humility. You know what? I don't have it all together. You know what? I make mistakes. You know what? I'm not perfect. You know, so on and so forth. Not, no, I've been a Christian my whole life. I can. I know this. I know the scripture. I know the Bible. I know that, right? Oh, God, that's okay. That's nice. You know. And let me use someone that doesn't know. Because that's who the Lord wants to use. He wants to use the weak and he wants to use the least of his. He can no, 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 don't quote that verse, Tyler. You're messing it up. You get <laughs> Let's move on into verse um, 49 through 50. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him, because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Brings me to my next point. To be a follower of Christ, we must have unity. And I would go on from that point to say we must have unity and we must welcome help. Welcome help from others. So often we try to do things on our own, even in ministry, even in church, even in raising families, even in our workplace. We try to do it all on our own, right? And I feel um, in ministry, 
history, even in my own life, I've had times in my life where I, I, I try to do it all on my own. I try to, you know, put the put the put all the weight on my shoulders and run with it. Oh, well, I got to do this because, after all, I don't really trust the other person to do it because they might not do it right, and I want it done this way, per se, right? And anyone here who is involved in ministry or has led a ministry has thought this or at least some shape of this at one point in your ministry life. Well, I can't really... I can't really allow them to do that because they might mess it up. Uh, you know, but they're not going to do it the way I want to do it. This is our mindset, it's our mentality, and, and we can maybe not be like the disciples who are get upset, right? I'm saying we forbid him to cast out the demons, but look, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same mission, and what is that mission? To further the kingdom, to see God's work go out. So if someone is doing a ministry, even though it's different from the way we would maybe do it, or different from the way we've orchestrated in our minds the way it should be done, if it's producing fruit, they're on your team. We're working for the same thing. We're working towards the same prize, towards the same goal, to see his kingdom further, to see the gospel, the good news spread. And if the disciples don't see this, and that's what Jesus is pointing out to them, look, you guys, we're together. We're in this together. We're in the same fight. And how do we apply that into the church? Well, I mean, we've got different ministries going on, right? We've got the high school. We've got the children. We've got young adults. We've got ushers. We've got hospitality. We've got all these different things going on in the church. And we, we so often want to, if we're leaders of those ministries, we so often want to put it all on ourselves. We so put it all on our back and try and run. And I think to be a follower of Christ, we have to welcome help. Welcome help. Welcome help in your ministry. Take that risk. My dad's welcoming help in the ministry, right? He's taking that risk by letting me teach that I In the same way, I, I, it's, it's an example, I feel, to all of us. You know what? Let's welcome other help. Let's welcome, give opportunity to people who maybe we wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you're qualified. Well, not qualified, but that's what the Lord wants to use. Or he's, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. This brother definitely doesn't know how to clean the bathroom. He's going to mess up. It's going to be a stain. Right? You know? And, well, let him do it. He's, he's on the same team. Let's see what he does. Let's give people chances. Let's see the ministry further. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Um, and we, we can get in the mindset of God can't use anyone else. He's only worked me in my life. I'm the one who usually prays. I'm the one of the better leaders. I'm the one that God has anointed. I'm the one that has these gifts. I'm the one that oversees this ministry. I'm the one that God uses. And granted, we don't say this, right? We won't say this out loud. But we can easily creep into this mindset. We can easily, that's the way the enemy works, right? We can easily, without even knowing, fall into this this kind of mindset. And I feel that Jesus is pushing against me, telling the disciples, look, they're doing the work wrong. Let's move on. Verse 51. Through 56. Now it came to pass, and the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the, Samar- of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, me, when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? just as Elijah did, but he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. 
For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So they stopped right there. My third point, to be a follower of Christ, we must sacrifice. Put God first and follow Him wholeheartedly. We must sacrifice and be putting the Lord first. Uh, sorry. That didn't make sense. That's my next point. Ooh, this is going to be fun. To be a follower of Christ, that didn't make any sense. Those of you thought it didn't make any sense, it didn't, so I apologize. To be a follower of Christ, we must have grace and love for the lost. That makes a little bit more sense. That's what we read, right? We must have grace. We must have love for the lost. The disciples want to call fire down from heaven to kill these people just because, what, they're not receiving Jesus. They didn't receive him. Well, we got to call fire. Jesus, can we just strike these guys dead with fire? Elijah did it. Right? This is, this is their mindset. Just, well, they don't want to receive it. Then let us just destroy them. And Jesus rebukes them. And I like that it says he turned and rebuked them. I mean, I, you don't really want to be rebuked by Jesus, rebuked by the Lord. You do not know of what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, you guys are acting in the spirit of Satan. You guys are not walking in the spirit that I've given you. Um, I think uh, I think that, that there's a real key point here in fruitful evangelism. If we can if we can cause this passage, this right here, if we can get this message into our hearts, into our heads, into our minds, then we will begin to understand what Jesus came to do, and He came to love the church. The gospel is not a message of judgment, but rather a message of love. And when we get denied, we're, when we get denied, right, we, our co-worker doesn't listen to what we have to say about Jesus, family member, loved one, close one, friend. We get denied, we often feel like these disciples. Now, granted, none of us are going to call down fire and strike anyone dead today, right? At least... If you think you can, then, and you've got a lot of faith. Um, but we often can get discouraged, and we they don't receive Christ. Or we can get even upset. Well, okay, gave you the message. You're on your own. You're responsible for what I've told you. Jesus Christ, you know, came to die for your sins. He loves you. If you don't repent, you're going to go to hell, right? And in a nutshell, that's what we said. Obviously, hopefully, you did it more lovingly. Um, but... That's the message, right? Jesus Christ, and, and then this is the mindset we can go. I don't want. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, no, it's not for me. Or maybe they get upset and forget you. Don't talk about that. This is the place, time, and place. I don't want anything to do with what you have to say. And um, it can be discouraging. But on top of that, it can cause it can cause us to be upset. Okay, well, fine. You get defensive, right? Okay, whatever. You don't want to receive the good news, then you're on your own. Happy, happy trails, buddy, you know? You, you, you die tomorrow, well, I don't need to tell you that because you already know, right? And we can have this mindset and we become bitter. We become defensive. And, and even though we won't say, Jesus, can we strike Can we strike him down with fire? We can have this mindset and we completely miss the mission. We completely miss why we're even there talking to an individual or group of people. And really the mission, the mission is to love them. It's to show them that the gospel is love, that Jesus Christ loves you. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. He has something He wants to do. He wants to renew you. 
These people are hurting. Right? My dad touched on this on Sunday, right? It's amazing. You just teach the Bible and you give the good news, the gospel message, and people are getting saved. Why? Because people are searching for love. People are searching for something that is meaningful in this world. People are searching for something to fill that hole, that void that many of us, actually all of us, had, right? That hole. Nothing filled it. No drugs, no sex, no girls, no, no this, no that. Nothing will fill that hole inside my life. Nothing, nothing the world has to offer. What are they looking for? What would fill that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Well, okay, what about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ loves you. Loves me? share with you a, a testimony. Maybe many of you know um, Nikki Cruz, saved by... Um, David, David Wilkerson evangelized and Nikki Cruz is a gang member, um, one of the biggest gangs in New York at the time. Maybe you guys might know the, the, the testimony. But Nikki Cruz, I was listening, I read on his testimony, I was watched a video on it. And uh, this is him talking, he said, David Wilkerson came out of the street, started preaching the gospel to his people. This is the time when gangs were a big, they're still a big thing, but in New York, they, they would like fight in the park, kill each other, like it was like crazy. The gangs ran the city. It was a very, very dark time. David Wilkerson goes going out and starts preaching in this setting. On the street, he's preaching the gospel to a group of people. And Nikki Cruz says, you be quiet. You shut up. You don't bring that in here. The only people that survive are those that are tough, those that are strong, those that are willing to kill the person next to them that wants to give them something mean to say. Someone that wants to come against me, I'll kill them. That's the only people that get by in this world. That's the only way you can do anything. You be quiet. Don't bring that cage around here. Out loud like that in front of whatever I mean, people David's witnessing throughout on the street, making a scene. And he's, and he's got his gang members with him. He says, Come on, you guys want me, want me to show you what a good time is? You want me to show you? Let's go. Let's go down into the basement, you know, spot they want to hang out. Let's go smoke some weed. Let's go get high. Let's go, let's go fool around with some girls. Let's go do this. That's what it's all about. And if someone gives us a problem, we'll kill them. And that's the way we live. That's the way we do it. David, they left. David Wilkerson, this is, now this is Nikki Cruz telling the testimony. It's just 15 minutes later, this guy, David Wilkerson, comes into the room without knocking. Now, a big deal, I guess. I mean, people come into my house all the time without knocking. <laughs> but this is a big deal. He says, what the, you know, heck is this guy doing here? And he walks in and he says, and he says I'm looking for Nikki Cruz, right? The whole gang down in this basement room. And he says, I'm over here. What do you want? You can't just come in here. And he says, I came here to tell you Jesus loves you. I already heard you think Jesus loves you. He starts walking towards the Cruz in this room. Nikki Cruz pulls up a gun, loaded, cocks it back. He says, you take one more step, I'm going to blow your head off. Nikki Cruz says, David Wilkerson had to me for a second. But then he just kept walking. And he said, he said he was so mad, he didn't shoot him, but he said he was so mad that he, he, David came up to him and said, Jesus loves you, Jesus wants to save you. I've been praying for you, Jesus this, Jesus that. He's just ministering to this guy. He says, I told him I'm going to do with this. He throws the gun down and starts beating up. 
David Wilkerson said he grabbed him by his neck like this, he spit on his face, he threw him against the wall, and then his, his other gang members were like, hey, Nicky, leave this guy alone. He's a priest. He, 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 you can't be doing this. He's not even part of the gang. He said, I don't care. I don't care. I hate this guy. He's trying to bring this. He's coming in here without permission. He don't know what life's about. I hate this guy. Beating him up. Some time passes and David Wilkerson gets back up. Says, um, um, Nicky says, David Wilkerson starts praying for him. Then he says, he starts praying. He says, um, Nicky clears his words exactly when he's giving his testimony. He says, it was the most beautiful prayer he's ever heard in his life. And I thought, wow, what does that sound like, right? I want to know what the most beautiful prayer is. And it was that of love. And part of his prayer, not, not word for word, is just to put Nikki Cruz to the study of God, I ask that you would see Nikki Cruz, that you would show him that you love him, that you would show him that you're here for him. And God, I've been praying for Nikki Cruz for these past two weeks. I've been praying that you would give me this opportunity to share this with him and that you would pour down your love on him and that you would take away this hate and all this stuff. Nikki, Nikki Cruz, like, constructed feelings just for the first time, but heck no, I'm not going to cry. Heck no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give into this. I'm strong, the leader of this game. Turns around, sees, he sees, uh, uh, I forget his name, but he sees, he sees one of his buddies. It's like one of, one of his hard core gang member buddies that never cries or doesn't even either. And he's crying. And he says, he heard him say, he says, he couldn't even stop the guy out of it. He says, what are you doing? And he says, all he said that all the guy was saying was Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said he said it like 25, 30 times. He said, the guy couldn't stop saying Jesus. We never even talked about Jesus. And so I was going to say, Jesus, what are you doing? And he said, he said, I just said Jesus 25 times. He said, and he's like, what in the world is going on? This priest is messing up my gang. This priest is it's just making all my guys soft, and we're going to fight later in the park. What's going on? You know, you guys get pumped up. we got to fight later. You can't be crying. The Lord was working on Nicky's heart. And um, he says, uh, he says it. It was, um, I can't remember if he said it was a week or two weeks later. He didn't even receive Christ there. But one thing, David, it's a famous line David Wilkerson did say to him, as he said, um, said uh, David said, you can cut me up into a thousand pieces. But just know that every one of those pieces is going to scream out, Jesus loves you. And he says, Nikki said that's one of the most profound things that David ever said to him. He says, that was like, what? Like, that put into perspective, this guy's serious. This guy's not a fake. Nikki got saved a, couple, a week later, I would say. And it was one or two weeks, he said. And it was in his room, his little apartment. And he said he was praying to God. And he said, God, if you're real, if you're real, if you're the real deal, then you got to show me. And he's praying on his knees in his bed. He's crying. He says he hasn't cried. He said he never cried. He said he hasn't cried since he was seven years old. If you're real, then you better show me right now that you're real. And you take away my pain. Take away my hurt. I want to feel love. I've never felt love. He says, in that moment, he says, it was the most. He says, he can't even explain how he felt, but he said, the burden was lifted off his shoulders. 
and you felt the love of Christ come in. Guys, this is, this is not a normal Joe guy. This is a guy that had hate. This is a guy that was raised within a witchcraft family. His mom and dad practiced witchcraft. He had no love. He had never felt love in his life, he says, until this moment. And he said he felt true love, and he started to weep. And the weight of the burden was lifted off his shoulder. Why? Because love. Because David Wilkerson was willing to push through the attitude of, I'm getting rejected. What? This guy's messing up my street evangelism. I got 20 people here listening, and this Nikki guy's coming, and he's taking them all away. Wow, good thing he left. Anybody else want to hear about the gospel? No. What does David do? I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to go after that guy. And he goes after him. And, and, and the testimony, if anyone knows the testimony, it's amazing. He starts his own ministry. Thousands upon thousands get saved through this ministry of this message. Young people just getting saved in the drones. And it's just a testimony of God's faithfulness. All because David showed love. All because David didn't take it personal. Uh-oh. And that's, um, yeah, it's a challenge for me. I don't know about if it is for you, but that's a challenge for me. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of people not receiving what I have to say. But if we follow this example, and if we say, no matter what, God, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share your grace and I believe will be fruitful followers of Christ. Let's move on to the first the end of the chapter. Chapter, verse 57. Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to them, No one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This brings me to my final point. To be a follower of Christ, those of you who were listening earlier, you got a sneak peek at this. We must sacrifice. We must put God first. And we must follow Him wholeheartedly. The person had the desire to follow Christ, but he did not know the cost of that statement he made. Even animals have a home. Jesus didn't. Jesus wasn't called to an easy, normal life. To follow Christ is going to require sacrifice. There's a there's a um, there's a misrepresentation in, in a lot of the world mind that thinks when they come to Christ, everything's just perfect and dandy, right? Well, anyone that's been walking with the Lord for any period of time knows that's not true. It seems at times when you start following Christ, life gets harder, and the waves start to come. Well, I believe there's a couple of reasons. I wouldn't necessarily go into all of them, but one of the reasons is our eyes are now open to the light, and now we're like... I can't do the things I used to be doing, right? You get saved, you come to follow Christ, and you're like, 
oh my goodness, my whole life is, is ugly and dirty because you've been living in darkness and you realize the light. It's like, how am I going to change all this? And then, you, you know, by the grace of God, you're changing things and you're working at it, but it's like, oh man. And you hear it all the time. I've heard stories of people coming to me, yeah, I've followed Christ for a while, but it's too hard to be a Christian. It's just, it's just too hard to go on, you know. I, was, I found that my life was, was, I was, was easier when I was just living in the world. And we know that's not true, um, but to a certain extent, um, it is in the sense that it requires sacrifice. And it's not all about what we can get, but it's about, well, how can we give? And, you know, how, how can we give into the ministry? How can, what can we do for Christ? Don't you want to be someone that does something for the kingdom? Don't you want to be someone that's fruitful in this life? Or you just want this life to come and go and pass away? You live your life, you have your friends, you have your family, you get married, you have a couple kids, you go to church on Sunday, but nothing else really happens. No, if you're like me, which I believe the Bible instructs us all to be, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference in this life. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to see people get saved. I want to see the love of Christ shown to everyone I encounter. Now, I don't always, more times than not, I'm not a very good representation of that. But the Lord's working in me, and the Lord's working in all of us. And at the same time, my heart is in this mindset of, Lord, use my life. What would you have for me? What would you have for me to do in this life? And how can I further your kingdom? How can I share the love that you've given me? Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish with the love of Christ. Christ has saved you. Most of you, if not all of you here tonight, are saved. Are we just supposed to cocoon in and be like, yay, I'm saved, I'm promised eternal life, and I'm just going to live my life like this? No. The idea is, okay, the inward work has begun, but the outward work flow through Jesus Christ, through the work He's doing, that you may be a witness to those around you. That's the church, not a building. Talking about a building, right? The church is the people. The church is, is you guys being a light, salt, and a light in this world. That's what we need to be. Um, just because we follow Christ um, does not mean life's going to be easy. There's going to be sacrifices that need to be made. And who do we have that made the ultimate sacrifice? Who do we have as an example, church? Jesus Christ. Jesus. A side note. You know what I love about Jesus? He's not going to ask us to do anything he hasn't done already. Jesus isn't going to ask us to walk through anything that he didn't have to walk through. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that that someone that's easy to follow? Isn't it easy to follow, follow someone that's been through it? Jesus Christ has been to the cross. Where are our trials? God didn't work. My wife yelled at me today. I at home. You know, my, my, my kids, are, they're not listening to me. They're disrespecting me. Whatever it is, we go through trials. Jesus paid the price on the cross. He sacrificed his very life. My life's not in danger today. My life, I'm not being asked to go to the cross and to die a painful, brutal death. Jesus did that. Okay, Jesus, you did the worst. So let me just put my little silly things aside and follow you. Let me follow you with my whole heart, not, and follow your example. He's the greatest example, you guys. I'm telling you, you learn Jesus. You learn what it means to be a Christian. Christian blood, Christ's life. 
you learn Jesus, study Jesus, and you'll learn what it means to be a Christian. Jesus has transformed my life. Jesus changed my life. He's so faithful. He won't ever let us down. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. That's someone I want to follow. A friend that will never leave me. A friend that never stops loving me. No matter what I do. No matter how many times I, I stab him in the back with my sin, with my things that I do. Jesus is okay. Listen, I'm taking care of that. The price has been paid on the cross. Let's go again. And he picks me up and he dusts me off. He takes me the next day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This man that said he wants to go bury his father, it's not a bad thing, right? I was reading commentary on this one. They say that this this, this, uh, this man wasn't actually, this man's father wasn't dead. So in other words, what he's saying is, let me go, my, my father's old, I'm taking care of him. Let me go stay and hang out with him and be with him until he dies and then I'll bury him. And this brings out the point that one of my closing points here is now is the time. And I feel like that's what Jesus is bringing out. Look, yeah, those are good things, but are they the best? Is the things in your world that you're going through that you have to take care of, are they more, are they more important than what Jesus has for you? Are they more important than following Christ? Seek first the kingdom and what? All these other things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. And I feel like that's probably exactly what's going on in Jesus' head right now. Look, don't worry about those things. Follow me. And that is the primary thing. I don't want to settle, I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for second best. I want to go for the prize. I want to go for the first place. I want to run my race, and I want to go for the gold prize. Who likes being second? Who likes, you know, getting second place, following second, being second in, in anything. It's cool, it's silver, but it's not the gold. Jesus is the gold. I ran a race in junior high, the cross country race, and I ran my heart out, and I got second place. And I wasn't mad about it. But I felt like I should have got first. I was a, I was what you call a late bloomer. And this guy in eighth grade was like a grown man. He had like facial hair. And I was like, I just got to give you guys the context so you know I'm a really good runner. Um, but uh, anyway, he, he was he was a man. I mean, he like he was he was he really had a beard in eighth grade. I'm like, what? It's crazy. It's like I haven't even gotten peach fuzz yet, you know. And uh, so, anyway, he beat me, but he beat me by just barely. I ran, I ran my, I ran so hard, I, I felt like I was gonna die. I literally felt like I was gonna die. And he, he, he just barely beat me. But I share that to say, second's no fun. I want to go for the prize. I want to go for Jesus Christ. David Gutzik says, "Servant of." Service of the second best at the expense of the first best can result in ruin. Am I crazy? Let me read that again. Service of the second best at the expense of the first best 
can result in ruin. If we don't recognize now is the time for salvation, if we don't recognize now is the time to be sold out for Christ, now is the time to, you know what, I'm done being this on-the-fence Christian where, yeah, I'm a Christian at church, but I live my life and do things my way on the side. Now is the time. Otherwise, it, being second is just going to result, like David Lucas said, it will result in ruin. Not putting Christ first in your life in every aspect will result in ruin. I believe that with all my heart. I don't put Jesus first. My life is going to go down the tubes. My life is going to go down the drain. Jesus needs to be my focus. Which brings me to my closing point in the closing verse. What is very famous verse? Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, back is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, in those days, putting your hands on the plow, these guys would, these guys would focus on something. So on the plow, whatever plow looked like back then, let's just pretend it's like this, right? And uh, they put their hand on the they're, they're on the plow and they're plowing the field. They would have to focus on a distant object, whether that be a tree, a, a house, a windmill, a post, whatever. They have to focus on it. They didn't look down and look to the side and look back. They had to focus on that tree, the sacred tree. And that's how they kept this straight line. They focused on that tree. And then when they came back the other way, they have another point of reference, right? And they focus on that tree. You go something in the distance, though, not something that right on the side or right in front of them. That's the only way you keep a straight line. And by the time you're done plowing the field, you get these perfectly straight lines. That's why Jesus is drawing this, this, this analogy here in the scripture. Put his hands to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Well, why? You look back, what happens? You lose sight of that tree for just a second. What's the tree? Jesus Christ. You take your eyes off Jesus for just a second and you look back. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh man, you know, I'm battling in the world, or you take, you fall into that temptation just for that day, or you do this thing, and you're like, yeah, I'm not really walking close to the Lord right now. And you look back to that season, whatever it was, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, yeah, whew, Jesus, okay, I'm back on Jesus, I'm back on Jesus. And, you know, you get off the plow, and you go back and you walk your line, it's going to be a lot of this, right? That's the idea in this piece that you look that's, that's no one else for the kingdom. And what else are we doing when we looking back? We're looking back to what? See how good we're doing? Why do you look back at your work? Uh, pretty straight line. I'm doing pretty good. I'm, whew, I've gone to, been to church twice this week. I don't even usually go on Wednesday nights. I'm here. Right? I'm trying to stroke what? Our ego. What does that mean? Well, pride. I love that. I love that Jesus uses this picture. And when I found out that after doing some research, that that's what the flowers is do, focusing on the tree. Now, for us, focusing on Jesus, I want to stay focused on Jesus. I don't want to be looking back at the past. I don't want to be, but, well, look at how spiritual I've been. Or look at how nice I've been to my wife this week. Look at how, you know, look at how good it is and this and that. And you look back and you lose sight of Jesus, and now what? Your line's going like this. And at the end of the day, you know, it's ugly. It's not the life I want to live. I know it's not the life you want to live. You want to live a life that's full, and you want to live a life that's great. You want to walk in that path and always be focused on Jesus. Church, let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Let us be focused on Him. Let us not be wavered. Let us not fall off to the left to the right. Let us not be worried about what's going on behind us. You know what? 
I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on. I'm moving towards the prize, the ultimate prize, and the calling that you have in my life. The closing is the last thing I want to say is, you know, I haven't always, um, I haven't always put these first. I was raised in a Christian home, obviously, and, um, but I've had, I've had seasons in my life where I've, I haven't been focused on that tree. And I've been focused on Jesus, and I've taken my hands off the file, and I've looked back, or I've been distracted by this, by that. And I have to be honest with you guys, and, and anyone that's done this, which most of us have, will balance for what I'm saying. It, it brings nothing but hurt. It brings nothing but pain. It brings nothing but sorrow. But you know what? When I'm walking close to Jesus, when me and Jesus are on step together, when I'm in my word daily, when I'm praying, when I'm on my knees crying out for help, when, I, when I'm asking the Lord, God, what would you have me do today on a daily basis? I'll tell you what, I missed one day, and it's bad news bears for everybody around me. It's bad. My wife will be the first to say, you didn't have your quiet time this morning, did you? Did you? No. She's not even in here. <laughs> but it, you guys, let's, let's, let's put Christ first. And then, like I said, in my own life, it, it never brings any fruit. I'm never like, wow, well, you know what? That was a good season of looking back. That was a good season of taking my hand off the plow. That was a good season of not staying focused on that tree on Jesus. You know, that's never the case. It's always, what are you doing, Tyler? Why? Why are you taking your eyes off of the prize? Why are you settling for second? Why are you settling for third, fourth, fifth, last? Sometimes we go low, right? Why are you settling for that? Why are we settling for it when Christ did? That's the gold. They got the gold for you right here. What I want to do, I want to follow to Christ. And I tell you guys, I encourage you, put Christ first. Put your hands up loud and don't look back. Put your hands up loud and don't look back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time, God. We thank you that God, your word is alive, and uh, and your word is faithful, Lord, even despite. Despite my uh, fumbling around through this study, Lord, and just being nervous, God, I know that your word's going out, and I know that it's ministering to hearts. And that is encouraging to know that despite the man, myself, that's here, your word is true. Your word is alive. And your word has the, the power to change lives, to break chains, to break bondages, to turn lives around, to make lives feel love, some for the first time, God. And that's, that's comforting to know that we study your word and that we can be confident that it is true and that it is alive and that it wants to mold us us and some men and women that you call us to be. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that we have something like this, 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 this book, Lord, to go by, Lord, and we're not just trying to figure it out on our own. Thank you. God, I, I think uh, I want to just give opportunity now if everyone's heads are still bowed. If you're here tonight and 
and um, maybe you've never received Christ, and you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but you're something that was said tonight, something in the studying of scriptures, and you're like, you know what, I'm tired of second best. I'm tired of going for the second prize, and I'm ready for the goal. I'm ready for, I'm ready to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I'm done looking back and living my own life. You're here tonight. Now is the time. You don't have time to go work it out at home. You don't have time to go, well, let me make sure I get my life together before I come to Jesus. No, you come to Jesus and you let Him put your life together. Now is the time. Don't miss this opportunity. That's you. I would like to pray for you. Would you raise your hands like you pray for you? Anybody here tonight? I see your hands. Anybody else? I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. My love. Praise the Lord. What a few hands here wanting to be included in this prayer. I don't want to leave anybody out. Everybody else. You're like, you know what, now's the time. You want to come to Christ tonight. To raise your hand, I'll pray for you. Before I pray for those, I want to make a second invitation. Those that want to rededicate their life. Amen. I see your hand. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Okay. You want to come back to Anybody else? You've known the Lord at one point, but you've fallen away. I see you. Come running back to Jesus tonight. The best decision you'll ever make. Just start praying for all these hands and anyone else before I close. So God, we thank you, God. Thank you for these, these lives, God. God, you're still saving people. You're still bringing salvation into people's lives. People are still in the, are being touched by the love of Christ. God, that is why we're here. So God, these hands that have been raised, Lord, that are saying, you know what, I want to follow after you wholeheartedly. I want to put my trust in you, whether it be for the first time or rededication, Father. I pray that you would hear their cry. As I'm praying, Lord, that you would meet them right now in their seat. That they would sense your Holy Spirit coming in like we learned in Nikki Cruz's testimony, that they would feel the burden lifted up off their shoulders. That they would feel all that hurt, that pain, that struggle, that it would be lifted off their shoulders right now as I'm praying. And that maybe for the first time, or maybe again, that they feel the love of Christ come rushing in and saying, I'm here. I'm with you. I've got this taken care of for you. Put your trust in me, and I will take care of your life. God, hear their cry tonight. Hear their cry for salvation. Come into their hearts. Live in them. Change them. Take them. Mold them. Make them the men, the women that you want them to do. We thank you, God, for your work of salvation. 
Lord, we so often talk about the end times and how the Lord can come back any moment, and some of us are like, oh, Lord, come back. But Lord, it's moments like this that I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're still saving people. God's not done. God wants more people to come to know Him. God wants to save more people. And Lord, you're still doing the work, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit ministering to us tonight, for your word. What a privilege it is to study it together as a body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.